Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Angela Kogod, in for Alex Pearson. You're listening to On Point. Cancer is a complicated disease. Now, that's an understatement. Making the search for treatments and cures so difficult. For years, the medical community has put a lot of weight in genetics. If you're a woman and your mother had breast cancer, your chances of being diagnosed with breast cancer increase. Now, research has found we may be focusing too much on the genetic side of cancer. Dr. David Wishart, professor in the Departments of Biological Sciences and Computing Science, University of Alberta, joining us this evening. Good evening, Dr. Wishart. Hi, Angela. To say cancer is a complicated disease, I said that that's an understatement. But when we are even looking at the world of cancers, how many are we looking at? Oh, technically, there's there's hundreds of different cancer types uh, in terms of the tissue types. Um, there's potentially millions of genetic forms of cancer because often uh, we know that there's about a thousand different oncogenes and tumor suppressor genes, and there's different combinations of those that, that ultimately will lead to to cancer. So, arguably, yeah, there's maybe millions of different types of cancers. And then that's why it's so hard to say, oh, there's a cure for this cancer, but wait, we've still got all these other cancers that we're looking into or a treatment for this. Can, can we go back a bit? Uh, in the medical community years ago, when we started to discover this, what were some of the theories as to what was causing this? So people have been thinking about cancer for thousands of years, and there have been various theories that people have proposed or suggested uh, some were, you know, having to do with uh, environment, some were having to do with what you were eating. It wasn't really until the 1970s with the discovery of what are called oncogenes and tumor suppressor genes that sort of this genetic view of cancer started to take hold. And it was an important discovery, and, and these have ha- helped highlight uh, a number of, you know, true genetic causes of cancers. Uh, but it's almost got to the point where it's it's completely dominated the perspective to the point where people are thinking that, um, you know, all cancers sort of have to run in families, all cancers are inevitable. Um, but in fact, um, the data that we have and that others have been collecting uh, suggests that only about 5 to 10% of cancers are, are heritable. That is meaning that they come from your parents or your grandparents, and that 95% of cancers, they really have to do with um, your environment, um, what you're exposed to, what you eat, um, uh, what's in the air, um, and um, also just uh, effects of aging. Doctor, I want to go back to those statistics then. You're saying around 5 to 10% would truly be linked to genetics. Almost 90% of the research focused on the genetic side. Yeah, and what's, what's happening is that um, we have to distinguish between cancers that are heritable, the ones that sort of run in families, and then the ones that we call spontaneous. Um, cancers, almost all of them, still have uh, at their base a mutation, so there's a genetic component to them. Um, but those, the, the 95% that we call sporadic cancers 
are ones that those mutations happened while you're an adult or while you as you've aged or or because you've done something or eaten something. So we we are constantly dealing with mutations in our genes and they appear and the cells that get them often die. Some of them don't and some of those lead to cancers. Um, in many cases, our own bodies are pretty good at getting rid of those mutated cells. But those are things that are, are happening, are mutations that happen, you know, after you were born and as you get older and as an adult. Um, so I think it's important to distinguish the ones that I'm called cancers that are inherited from your parents to you and cancers that spontaneously develop just through exposures or lifestyle. Interesting. Okay, so if you're talking about the genetic ones then, uh, can you give us a few ideas? I mean, in my introduction, I, I said breast cancer. To me, that would be on the top of the list, but what would be some genetic cancers then compared to the spontaneous ones? So breast cancer would be a good example. About 3% of all breast cancers have a heritable or um, mother-to-daughter um, link, and those are caused by the BRCA1 or BRCA1 gene or BRCA2 gene being mutated or combinations of mutations. The other 95%, maybe a little less, 93%, are what we call spontaneous, and those develop because of exposures to um, alcohol, smoking, um, obesity, diabetes. Those are the ones that actually are the driving reasons for the other 95% of breast cancers. And that's just breast cancer. That's very interesting. My guest this evening is Dr. David Wishart. He is a professor in the Departments of Biological Sciences and Computing Science at the University of Alberta. We are talking about cancer. And of course, we know that cancer impacts everyone in some level, whether it be at the family level, the friend level. So I know there's a lot of interest in this. Okay, so if we have been focusing too much on the genetic side... How did you determine that we've got to start looking at, what, your environment then, how your body metabolizes things? Get into that. Yeah, so I think over the last 10 years, people have started increasingly understanding the importance of, of what's in our environment, what we do, our lifestyle, exposures, whether it's, they say, uh, smoking is the number one cause of cancer, alcohol is sort of the number two cause, uh, air pollution, obesity, uh, diet, um, those all contribute to, to cancer. Those exposures can lead to mutations, uh, which then lead to the development of cancer. But then those mutations often aren't enough on their own. And what's happened in the last 10 years is people have discovered something called oncometabolites. Uh, so that means cancer metabolites. So these are chemicals or metabolites, um, amino acids, organic acids, that are produced by cancer cells that actually drive or extend the cancer or carcinogenesis process further. So it's sort of like, uh, you know, you light the fuse, um, and that's maybe the genetic mutation, but to keep the, the thing going, you have to be able to produce, um, the cells have to be able to produce these chemicals that sustains this cancer um, and allows it to grow and metastasize. And so these are, I think, the things that are often underestimated, underappreciated uh, in cancer, cancer research, cancer treatment, and cancer prevention. Well, even when you talked about the environment, and we've known for many years alcohol, smoking, diet, but now with the information you've got, 
is this a, a way then of approaching the treatments and the prevention? I mean, simple enough to stay away from alcohol and cigarettes, but to understand even how we would treat cancer if we were to be diagnosed with it. Yeah, so I think this, this understanding about how cancer starts from these mutations to eventually how it changes the, the chemistry and the biochemistry of the cells is opening new doors to, to how to treat it. Um, cancers, um, although I said at the beginning there's maybe millions of different versions of cancer because of the millions of different mutations that potentially exist, cancers are fueled by just three or four um, molecules, basically. Uh, and it's sort of like thinking about cars on the street. There's you know thousands of different makes and models and years. Um, but cars are only powered either by gas or by diesel or by batteries. It's the same with, with cancer. Uh, most cancers are either powered by glucose or uh, an amino acid called glutamine or another combination of molecules um, called folates and cholines. So these are the fuels, and if you can starve the cancers of those fuels, um, most cancers can't, can't survive. There are also uh, molecules that cancers produce in their environment. Uh, most of them are, are acids. Uh, they have a very acidic environment. And if you can counter the acidic environment around cancers, that also seems to um, kill off the cancer. So these are really simple things that, that have largely been discovered. Some of them have been known for a while, but not fully appreciated. And um, there are examples like uh, changing your diet. A uh, ketogenic diet is one one, where it basically cuts out all sugars. And um, ketogenic diets have been found over the last number of years to be uh, quite effective uh, as adjunct therapies to help uh, people with glioblastoma. So is that in prevention, or then even if uh, you are diagnosed, you would also use that information in treatment to starve the cancer? Yeah, so I was mostly talking about treatment, but in fact, there's also the same concept could be used in prevention. Um, so again, there's diets that people have identified that seem to significantly reduce a person's risk of cancer. Um, the, it had been noted for many years that... Uh, the Inuit diet was one that had very low levels of cancer, and that was largely a ketogenic diet. Um, there are other types of diets, again, where cancers seem to be much reduced, um, Mediterranean diets as well. So these things um, are partly related to the, the types of foods that we eat um, and the types of foods to avoid. Um, we know that you know obesity and diabetes increase your risk of cancer three or four times over the normal population. And obesity and diabetes come from, you know, largely eating uh, bad foods um, or foods that are not particularly rich in fruit, fiber, or vegetables. Simple Those. message, yeah, a very simple message, but I'm glad you were able to share it with us and interesting research for sure. Dr. Wishart, thanks so much for your time this evening. You're very welcome. Dr. David Wishart, professor in the Departments of Biological Sciences, Computing Science at the University of Alberta. I'm Angela Cocott. You're listening to On Point.